Greetings, Dog Nation, to another week of A View from the Couch. Thank you so much for joining me. We've got a top 25 matchup between the hedges between Kentucky and Georgia this week. We've got Red River and an interesting game to talk about in College Station between Alabama and Texas A&M. It's going to be a great show. I hope you enjoy it. Man, oh man, it is a wonderful time of the year. Uh, the weather is absolutely gorgeous. We have here in Athens, uh, we have got a hint of fall that has kind of set in for the last couple of weeks. And as I look ahead to being in the stadium on Saturday night, um, it looks like I might actually need a light jacket. Looks like it's going to be in the mid fifties by the time the game gets over. So, uh, just a wonderful time of the year, but also as we've kind of looked at it, um, a, a realization that this is week six for Georgia, which means when the Kentucky game is over on Saturday night, and hopefully the dogs are sitting there at 6-0, and we're halfway through this season already, which is just absolutely crazy how fast it goes. But, you know, overall, if you're a Georgia fan, and I know most of the folks that listen to this are, the dogs have now won 20 game, 21 games in a row, uh, and it's 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 the good times. It really is the good times for the dog nation. So, actually, that's where I want to start. Um just trying to think back to last week, you know, I know there's been a lot of continued discussion, angst um, within the Bulldog Nation, online especially, you know, just about how things have gone so far this season. And I really feel like coming out of week five, I, I don't know that we got a lot of answers. And this is for Georgia and just across the country. Like, not sure we got a lot of answers. We, I think we probably got more questions. And so we're going to talk toward the end of this show, obviously, about Georgia and Kentucky. I want to start with kind of talking a little bit about the win Georgia got last week against Auburn and, you know, what it what it means and, and where we all should be as Georgia fans because I, I continue to feel very frustrated at the overall mentality that's on display uh, from Georgia fans right now. So the, re- the reality is that there's, there's a lot of talk nationally and this really kicked up after the Auburn game that you know should Georgia be number one and that question being asked by kind of a national pundit or on you know one of those morning shows on ESPN or FS1 where they just yell at each other about everything um, I think that's valid I mean if, if you're looking at body of work so far this re this season I, I don't think there would be any reason that anybody could put Georgia at number one the reality is Georgia continues to be number one because they're the two-time defending national champions. They won the national championship game in overwhelming fashion last year, and they were preseason number one, and they haven't lost. So there's zero doubt in my mind that if we had college football playoff rankings come out this past Tuesday, Georgia would not have been one. So, you know, it's one of those things that I've, I've seen people get offended that Georgia is being talked about in this way, but I've also seen people frustrated with Georgia's performance. And it it just, it's this funny place where we can talk about us, but nobody else can talk about us. That's kind of how it feels right now. So, you know, it's, it's just kind of 
it's weird. So from the national standpoint, I totally get where people are coming from. And I have no problem with, with people asking that question. You know, there was a point uh, last Saturday night when this was really kind of getting kicked up by a lot of different people, especially on Twitter. Um, the thought went through my head, please drop us. Please, AP, AP coaches poll, put us at like five. Because that's all, that's all Kirby needs, right? Like, he, he needs something. Uh, I, I still go back to that Tennessee game last year, and the minute the college football playoff committee put Tennessee at one and put Georgia at three, the game was over. It really was because Georgia was coming off of the national championship and, and just kind of meandering through the season in a lot of ways. And that Tennessee game was where it really kicked up of like, oh, they doubted us. Okay, let's show them who we are. And I very much was hoping that the media would provide that yummy rat poison as, as Nick Saban likes to talk about it. But, um, you know, so from the who's number one debate, Put whoever you want number one. It is both uh, fun to talk about and extremely unimportant at this point in the year. On the flip side, um, I have continuously been talking about on the podcast and just in general frustrated about the fan base and how spoiled we have gotten so quickly. Um, For years, I struggled to believe how ridiculous Alabama fans could be about their team not winning enough, not willing big enough, not just nothing was enough. And now in just two short years, Georgia fans have gotten just as bad, if not worse. And it's, it's amazing how quickly it's happening. Um, these things are all true. Georgia is five and zero, ranked number one, back to back national champions. Those things are all true. And yet to hear Georgia talk about their offensive court or Georgia fans talk about offensive coordinator, the quarterback, the defense, like you would think that we suck and and we have sucked for a long time. And I know that winning creates a bandwagon. And so I don't think we have any bandwagon fans that listen to the podcast, but just in case we do, so, some dog fans don't know that this is not a birthright. Five and O is not a birthright. Being in this position is just, it's, it is our, it, it's become a little more normal, but it's not normal. And, and we don't need to take it for granted, because we can go back in ancient history, way all the way back to 2015. Georgia was 4-0. They had looked dominant. The The tide came to town. They had already lost to Ole Miss that season. And Alabama kicked the living crap out of Georgia. We didn't make it to 5-0 and that year. And, and we ended up losing 3-4 of four after that, or I guess we lost 2-3 of three after that Alabama game. Ended up 9-3 and three on the season and playing in the Tax Slayer Bowl. Again, all the way back to 2015. One year later, Georgia start out three and zero. Kirby, first year head coach, everything was great. He's turned it around. We lost four of five games. Dropped the last game of the season to Tech. Went seven and five and played in the Dad Blame AutoZone Liberty Bowl. In 19, coming off two years where Georgia was right there in the national championship picture. We started out 5-0, but lost at home to a bad South Carolina team. And In hindsight, that was the only game that Kirby has lost at home since the start of the 17 season. In 2020, Georgia started out 4-2 in that SEC-only season, but lost the only two games that really mattered that year when we go on the road to Alabama and play in Florida and Jacksonville. So if you, if you want to know even more about the pain 
that Georgia fans are used to dealing with, go back and look at the 90s. Go back and look at the 10, the 2000s. How many years would Vince Dooley have been just gushing, like people would have been just praising him for going on the road and winning at Auburn? Or for that matter, Jim Donnan. If he could have gone on the road and win, won at Auburn or consistently beat Auburn on the road or at home, he, he may have never lost his job. Mark Rick struggled sometimes um, to beat some of our rivals. Auburn wasn't one of them. But winning rivalry games should not be something that we're just completely, of course we're going to beat Auburn. We should beat Auburn every year. That's the spoiled mentality that is ruining the joy of what is happening right now. So no matter where you live in the state, Auburn's one of the biggest rivals that Georgia has. And we went to their place when they played the best game of their season and we won the game. Georgia fans should be happy, but but we're not. We, we've managed to go from heartbroken, lovable losers to spoiled, entitled brats in two short years. And I'm going to keep saying this and saying this until people can start listening, is that winning is all that matters okay if we just we just got to keep winning I didn't think the Auburn game was going to go that way if you listen to the podcast last week I think we might have had some publication problems but if you if you did hear the podcast last week I thought we this was going to be our get right game when Georgia was going to step up I had watched the Auburn A&M game the week before I saw what Auburn's offense looked like and I was convinced that okay this is the week where everything clicks and we get going that was not right. So we're sitting there in the second half losing. And it's like, hey, wait, what? what is happening? But at the end of the game, we won the game. And so I, I, I think from an expectation standpoint, it, you could say, okay, Georgia didn't meet my expectations or the expectations created by the prediction that I had, which I think was like 41 to 10. Um, they, they didn't meet those. But is that the standard we're going to hold the team to? You know, whatever we think they should do before the game, that's the standard we're going to hold them to? Because, like, how often – I mean, how many fan bases in the SEC? Auburn, LSU, Alabama, A&M, Florida, Tennessee, they'd all like to be 5-0 and right now, and none of them are. We're 5-0. and we quite literally could not have a better record than we do right now. Has it been pretty the whole time? Absolutely not. Are there reasons to be concerned? Absolutely. But we've won all of our games, and style points don't really matter if we can continue to win. If you want to criticize the 2023 team and say it's not as good as 21 or 22, go right ahead. But what are we really doing? Like, if you... What you're really doing is you're saying, I'm afraid something bad is going to happen later in the season. And if you want to be negative because you think the team is going to lose at some point, that is completely your prerogative. But as someone that has watched Georgia lose a lot over the years, my advice would be, wait until we lose to be mad about losing. Now, would anybody be shocked if this team clicks in the next few weeks and it starts looking more like the 22 team? I know I would not be shocked because I think the talent's there. But I, I, I guess I'll try to land this plane by saying this, that anyone that wants to freaks out, freak out because Georgia loses a game or doesn't win the national championship this year should shut up. 
two years ago at this time, it had been 41 years since Georgia won a national championship. And now all of a sudden, we pretend that losing a single college football game is the worst thing that could ever happen, right? Georgia's going to lose again, eventually, right? Some other team will win a national championship, probably this year, and it won't be Georgia. And that is okay, because... If, if you're a Georgia fan and you can't handle the fact that we may lose again and we might not win every national championship until the end of time, I invite you to pick any other team in this entire country to root for because I don't want to be associated with fans like that. It's so exhausting and you are taking the fun out of it. Given Kirby Smart's age and the state of the program, I will take Georgia for the next 10 to 20 years over any other program in the country. So like relative fandom aside, the fact that that is my team and I'm going to stick by them no matter what, if you're just placing bets on, okay, who's going to win the most over the next 15 to 20 years right now, Georgia, why would you pick anybody else? Even if you're an Alabama fan, you're looking at, okay, Saban going to be coaching in 15 years. Absolutely not. Could Kirby be coaching in 15 years? It's absolutely possible. And, and given that context, we, are we going to win every national championship for the next 15 years? Of course not. That is ridiculous. And, and as ridiculous as it is to say, the way Georgia fans act about every individual game makes it seem like that has now become the expectation. And it is just mind-boggling to me how we can't seem to associate success and reality at the same time. Let's be happy. These are the good old days. Stop ruining them it's not any fun if you're just going to be mad because at some point we may lose we may lose Saturday night that may happen and if it does you know what Georgia will have done we will still be the two-time defending national champions with a one loss on our resume and an opportunity to figure it out this year and maybe get back into the conversation it's not a I mean it is a three-peat just appreciate this team for the good and for the bad. Just be a fan of this team and stop living in this world that losing would ruin everything. R- losing doesn't ruin anything. Winning is only fun if you have to overcome something. Okay? Because I will tell you, as a Braves fan that watched them win 14 straight division championships, Every single year you went into the playoffs with only one emotion available to you, and that's disappointment. Because if you won it all, then you've met expectations. And anything short of that is by definition a disappointment. And it's just not any way to live. You know, speaking of the baseball playoffs, it's very similar for the Braves going into this Philly series. There's only one feeling. It's nervousness. Oh, my God, are they going to do it to us again? Is there any way we could lose? Oh, my God, if we lose, then it it negates the 104 wins they had and this amazing season for Acuna. We're Georgia folks. We're doing fandom wrong. Enjoy the ride. Enjoy all of it. And just if you win, just be happy that you won. Don't worry about what it might mean two weeks from now because these are 18 to 22-year-olds. Who knows what they're going to look like two weeks from now? Georgia could go out there tomorrow night against Kentucky and blow their doors off. And if the only thing that could make you feel is like, well, about time, then you've done it wrong. So I'm begging you, Georgia fans, enjoy the good old days. Have fun with this. Stop ruining it.
All right, let's move on and try to try to be a little bit more positive going forward. The week six viewing guide, that's what we're going to talk about right now. This week does not compare to last week, top to bottom. You just don't have the depth of interesting games that you had last week. However, it absolutely has enough sprinkled throughout the day that this can be an absolutely excellent week of college football. So I don't have anything for you starting Thursday or Friday night. Let's start Saturday at noon. Red River rivalry. I will not try to say it again because I don't think I can get it out. But number 12, Oklahoma, and number three, Texas at the Dallas State Fair. That's ABC at noon. Man, this is the this is it. This is the top of what college football can be. This is rivalry. It's at a neutral site. Both teams are 5-0. and They split the stadium in a way that looks really cool on TV instead of going end zone to end zone the way Georgia-Florida does. You split it straight at the 50-yard line and go around each way. It's just an awesome venue, an awesome game. I hope they continue playing at the Texas State Fair even uh, after the move to the SEC happens. Both of these teams are 5-0. and Texas is exactly where I thought they would be. Oklahoma, I'm a little surprised, frankly, after the, the crap season they had last year. Uh, Venables has apparently turned it around a little bit there. It's a different level now for Oklahoma that they're going to have to deal with when they're talking about playing Texas. So could we see a Red River rematch <laughs> in the Big 12 title game? We po- we could. This could be the first of two games these two teams play against each other uh, in their last season of the Big 12. I expect Texas to win, but if you have the history or you know the history of this game, Oklahoma upsetting Texas in this game would not be surprising at all. Um, it really matters to me how Quinn Ewers plays. Uh, he was really, really good against Alabama. He has not been really, really good since. So it the consistency for Texas is, is always the question. Even when Texas, the team, has played well the last few weeks, yours has not been quite as good. So that's a game to keep an eye on at noon. Also at noon, a surprisingly intriguing game because LSU is playing Missouri on ESPN at noon. And if I told you one of these two teams was 3-2 and two coming in this game and one team was undefeated, you would not believe <laughs> LSU was 3-2 and two and Missouri, of all teams, 5-0, and oh, ranked 21 in the nation. I understand what's happened so far this season. If LSU loses this game, watch out because they're not going to fire Brian Kelly. That we're we're not in that realm. But it has not gone well so far for LSU this season. Missouri they have Luther Burden at wide receiver, um, who is extremely good. If you don't know who he is, watch this game. You'll know by the I don't know halfway through the first quarter. LSU has the one thing a team can't have and play for championships and be competitive for championships, and that is a fatal flaw, an Achilles heel. And that secondary is absolutely an Achilles heel. You don't have to be great at everything to win, but you can't have anything that you suck at, and that secondary is terrible. Missouri can absolutely win this game because that secondary is so bad and I, it can't be fixable at this point because if it was fixable, they would have already fixed it. They would have fixed it after they got blown up in the second half by Florida State. They would have fixed it at some point while Ole Miss was just going up and down the field on them last week. I think this is a very interesting game for Georgia and the East and just kind of what the SEC looks like. You need Missouri to win this game, okay? You need Missouri to kind of step up. There are five – or sorry – 
I, I got ahead of myself. There are three teams in the SEC East that are 5-0 and coming into Week 6. Missouri, Kentucky, and Georgia. There are zero 5-0 teams in the SEC West. It's just a, it's a crazy year. I'm not necessarily going to pick Missouri to win this game, but I would not be surprised. The game will be close. Let me be very clear about that. I don't think there's any chance that this is not a close game. The only thing that has me nervous for LSU to be able to actually win it, this is an 11 a.m. kickoff coming off a late-night loss last week uh, to Ole Miss, and whatever they thought this season was going to be in Baton Rouge, it's just not going to be that. So I'm intrigued, very, very intrigued, to see what that game looks like uh, also noon on Saturday. In the 3.30 window, it's just Alabama-Texas A&M for me. That, that's it. It's a huge game. The two teams in the West that are still undefeated in the conference. So they both have losses. Alabama, of course, lost to Texas. Texas A&M lost to Miami. But they are 2-0 in the SEC West right now. And the winner of this game will be in a really good position to make it to Atlanta. So uh, A&M has never played for the SEC championship. This could be their opportunity if they're able to beat a uh, an Alabama team that I think is exceedingly beatable. Uh, Bama comes into the, the game ranked 11th. They are down to a one-point favorite. They started out as a two-and-a-half-point favorite in this game. The line as of Friday is one point. Um, two years ago, A&M beat Alabama in College Station. That was the first time a Saban assistant had ever beaten uh, Nick Saban. Um here we are a couple years later, and it's happened a few times now. But last year in Tuscaloosa, a, a very not good A&M team should have beaten Alabama. Uh, but Alabama was able to have a goal line stand and hold on to that. So it'll be interesting to see not only, obviously, who wins the game, but just, again, how it goes. You know, I could be completely wrong about Alabama. They could be finding themselves. But... I don't necessarily think that's the case. And it's going to be very interesting to see how that great Bama defense plays against the Texas A&M offense that has looked very good. Even in the game they lost, A&M's offense wasn't the issue. So can the A&M defense step up a little bit and look the way they did against Auburn a couple weeks ago? Can the the Alabama offense do anything against that A&M defense? It's just an intriguing matchup. Uh, Just to be mean to Florida fans, 4 o'clock. On the SEC Network, Vandy at Florida. You might think this is crazy. Uh, Why would we talk about this? Well, Florida's trying to get revenge for losing to Vandy last year, and Florida is uh, not a very good team. Don't know how they beat Tennessee a few few weeks ago, but they're not a very good team. So I wouldn't actually watch that game if you paid me money, but I just wanted to be mean to Florida uh, on the podcast today. Uh, I will just throw this in there. Six o'clock on TBS, the Braves play the Phillies. Uh, I will not get to see any of it, and I'm a little salty about that because I will be at number 20 Kentucky playing on the road at number one Georgia. That's a seven o'clock kick on ESPN. Obviously, we're going to talk about that game here in just a few minutes, but there's one other game if you are at home. Number 10 Notre Dame once again Uh, In a top 25 matchup, this time it's on the road at Louisville, number 25 Louisville. That game is on ABC. Third straight week that it's a top 25 matchup for Notre Dame. Uh, Louisville 5-0 in the, you know, looking good so far in the ACC. Uh, Hadn't really played anybody at this point. Notre Dame, of course, heartbreaking loss two weeks ago to Ohio State. 
They gutted out a win last week against Duke. Going to be interesting to see if they can do it again, go on the road again and beat what I think is, you know, a surprisingly good Louisville team. So that is our viewing guide for week six. Like I said, we don't have 15 games to talk about, but there's sprinkle it throughout the day. This is a good TV watching week for sure. All right, let's jump into Kentucky at Georgia. The Wildcats ranked for the first time all year um, coming off of their win against Florida. I might have done this exact same thing sometime in the last couple of years on the podcast, but in my brain, the way I think about Kentucky does not match the numbers between Georgia and Kentucky. Okay. Kentucky under Mark Stoops over these last 10 years, I feel like they've really established themselves as a, a solid team. Okay. They have not played for an SEC championship. They haven't really won anything of substance, but I never feel good about playing Kentucky, Kentucky, no matter what they're ranked, no matter what's going on, it's hard to have confidence because they're just a very solid team. At least that's my perception. When you look at the history of the series, that is not what is you see at all. Georgia is 62-12 and 12 all time uh, against Kentucky, 31-4-2 against Kentucky at Sanford Stadium. Uh, the last time Georgia lost to Kentucky in the rivalry was in Athens in 2009. Um, that's crazy to me. So that means Georgia's got 13 straight wins in this series. Um, Kentucky entered the top 25, like I said, for the first time, uh, after beating Florida last week, 33, 14. Um, it's only the second road game of the year for Kentucky. The last time they went on the road to Vandy. So that, you know, doesn't count. Um, again, my perception of Kentucky as a program is exactly what they've been so far this season. Solid. Okay, they won all their games by double digits. Closest game was an 11-point win over Eastern Kentucky uh, in Week 2. So, at quarterback for Kentucky, obviously Will Levis is, um, well, he's not playing in the NFL, but he's getting paid by a team in the NFL. Devin Leary, the uh, NC State transfer, uh, has has been fine. Yeah, 82 of 142, 58% on the year, about 1,100 yards passing, 10 touchdowns, 5 interceptions, exceptions, four sacks um, against Florida. Literally didn't have to do much. 19 or sorry, nine of 19 for 69 yards and a touchdown. Um, but he's had some solid games over the, the, the earlier part of the season. Um, he had, he's again, it, it's kind of been a mixed bag. He's thrown an interception in every single game except Florida game. And, it, and, and that's probably more about Florida than it is about him. So all of those stats for Leary should make you go, wait a minute, how are they 5-0? and And the answer is they run the ball. They run the ball really, really well. Ray Davis is their leading rusher. 76 carries on the year, 594 yards. That's almost eight yards a carry. Eight touchdowns so far this year. Against Florida, he had an all-time game. 26 carries, 280 yards. That's easy math there. That's over 10 yards a carry. Three touchdowns. What an absolutely amazing game he had. Uh, Juton McLean is their backup. 21 carries, 116 yards, and a touchdown. They also have uh, a guy whose name I'm not even going to try. I wrote it down, but there's no chance. 10 rushes, 94 yards, uh, and a touchdown. So, obviously, they're focusing on the run game. Uh, their receivers, they have Tavion Robinson as their leading uh, receiver, 19 catches, 308 yards, three touchdowns. Barry and Brown, 19 catches, 251, and a touchdown. 
and a guy named Dane Key, 13 catches, 196 yards, and two touchdowns. Ray Davis, who we just talked about, the running back, has, in addition to all of those carries and all of those yards and all of those touchdowns, he's caught the ball 11 times for 146 yards and three touchdowns. Uh, the kicker, we always give a quick shout out to the kicker, Alex Rayner, 23 of 24 on extra points this year and 6 of 6 on field goals. So uh, he's been good enough so far. For Georgia, um, the season, as the season has gone along and as it continues to go along, getting healthy is probably going to be the number one indicator of, of where this team's ceiling is. Uh, we have now reached the point in the season where the easy part of the schedule is behind us. It's not to say that, you know, we still got Tech on the schedule, we still got Vandy on the schedule, but week to week, Georgia's going to be playing some better talent over the next seven games than they did over the previous five. Um, so we're going to need the top guys to be ready. So McConkey and Kendall Milton, um, who, you know, McConkey played a little bit last week at Auburn. Milton seems like he's coming around and maybe uh, going to play this week. Getting those guys healthy and keeping them healthy is going to be extremely important because for all of the angst and the frustration um, that Georgia fans have felt concerning the offense, I, I don't know that Georgia's played with its best 11 at any point in this year. And, I mean, maybe that's what it's going to be. Maybe we're not ever going to have our best 11 ready. And if that's the case, you still got to figure out how to do it. But – I think that needs to be taken into consideration just given kind of the way everybody's feeling. Like, I'm not sure Mike Bobo's had the the best guys out there as often as he wants. So um, the running game for Georgia has got to be more effective, and that's obvious. But at this point, despite how everybody might feel, the best option that Georgia has is throwing the ball. So – Oddly enough, and this is not really philosophically where I find myself often, I think Georgia's in a situation where they got to throw to open up the run. So I, I'm not a blame Bobo guy for everything, but with the lack of depth that we've had at running back because of the injuries and, and just everything else, we've got to avoid third and long situations. The Georgia Twitter account this week put out a, a graphic that showed all the third and eight, third and nine, third and 13, third and nine. This is what Georgia picked up last week against Auburn. Praise that. That's impressive. Great job from the Georgia offense. Great job, Carson Beck, being huge on third down. But for the love of all things holy, you can't keep living that way. <laughs> like, it's it's one thing to say, hey, look at all these third downs we picked up. It's another to say, why are we in this situation where it's always third and long? Now, I know the Bobo haters are going to say, well, that's because he ran two draws up the middle. He accidentally hasn't done that but I know it feels that way. So Georgia's got to be more effective on first down. I think that's where all of this comes to me. Um, you got to avoid those third and long situations, second and short, third and short. Those you can pick up, right? But allowing the better teams that are coming on this schedule to uh, to be able to pin their ears back on third down, that that is not going to be a recipe for success. On the defensive side of the ball, Georgia struggled for the first time in years to control the running game against Auburn. For the season, Georgia's been pretty good against traditional running attacks, so just, you know, let's hand it off to the, the running back. Georgia stops that. But they've had problems stopping the run, especially from quarterbacks. So 
Of the 219 rushing yards Auburn had against Georgia, 125 of those yards were from Robbie Ashford and Peyton Thorne, the quarterbacks for Auburn. So that's 57% of that productivity came from those guys. So uh, Auburn's quarterbacks ran for 125 yards combined. They threw for 88 yards combined. So the reality of this game for Georgia is I think they actually match up. Kentucky's better than Auburn, okay? But I think Georgia matches up with Kentucky way better than it did against Auburn. Peyton Thorne, not a run guy, okay? He's not going to run the ball, including sacks because that's the way the NCAA does it. He's carried the ball nine times all year for negative 20 yards. So I'm not trying to convince folks that there's nothing to worry about with Georgia's defense because I'm a little nervous about it. But I think Georgia matches up very, very well with Kentucky, especially with Javon Bullard, you know, getting better and, uh, you know, according to Kirby this week, being ready to go. Offensively, Georgia hasn't been able to shake the slow start issue, right? And so Kentucky's route to winning this game is absolutely being effective in the run game, getting a lead, and then limiting Georgia's ability to come back because we can't get the ball from them because they're just running the ball on us. Georgia came back against South Carolina and Auburn because they were able to get enough possessions in the second half of those games to make those comebacks. My fear is that the only recipe for Kentucky getting ahead is running the ball. And if they're able to do that, I don't know how Georgia would close a 10 point gap in the second half against a team like Kentucky. Um, So it's going to be really important for Georgia to get rolling in the first half, not necessarily in the first quarter, but boy, wouldn't that be nice? I mean, I've, a first drive touchdown would just kind of make me feel way, way better <laughs> uh, almost immediately to start this game. So I always throw some stats out there, so let's go ahead and keep that going. Uh, the worst quarterback in the nation, according to Georgia fans, Carson Beck, is 116 of 161. That's 72%. Um, they'll obviously just trash. 72% on the year, uh, 1,500 yards uh Passing, seven touchdowns, two picks. Uh, Dejon Edwards remains the leading rusher, which at this point is kind of an oxymoron. 51 carries, 260 yards, five touchdowns. Dylan Bell, just under 100 yards on the season. Uh, 17 carries, two touchdowns. Milton, 23 carries and 96 yards. Uh, Man, we need Kendall Milton. We need a number one back. Dejon Edwards is good. I think he's a good change of pace guy. Milton's got to do it. He's got to get healthy. He's got to stay healthy. Um, Brock obviously had a great game, a great second half against uh, Auburn on the season. 30 catches, 413 yards, and three touchdowns. Dom Lovett, 20 catches on the year. Rosemary Jack Saint, 13 catches. Ladd had four catches against Auburn for 38 yards. Ra-Ra Thomas, nine catches on the season. Those five guys, Brock, Dom, Rosemary Jackson, Ladd, and Rod Rod Thomas. Those, to me, are the guys that are going to have to be the guys for Beck moving forward. Um, One person that, as I look at stats each week, just keeps jumping out to me that he hasn't done more, and I'm just shocked by that, is Arian Smith. Only four catches for 67 yards. He had no catches against Auburn. Um, I, I don't know what's up with that. I know... Some Georgia fans may listen to this and go, well, you don't throw the ball deep. How would he ever catch it? He's your deep threat. Well, that none of those things are actually true. I mean, he is the deep threat, but that's not it. 
George has taken some deeper shots. Beck has missed a couple. He's also had a couple drops. Uh, but Georgia has opened it up more, and I think we'll continue to see them open them up more. But at the end of the day, it's a night game. Um, it, it's going to be an awesome atmosphere, but I don't really know what to expect, okay? Uh, if Georgia comes out and wins this game by 20, there is no part of me that will be shocked. Relieved a little bit, maybe. Um but if Georgia's defense comes out and gives up some yards on the ground and the offense turns the ball over and Georgia ends up losing this game, I also will not be shocked based on what we've seen so far this year. I, I think the crowd will be great. And in past years, specifically in 21, Kentucky came in here with a very good team. Uh, it was a 3.30 kickoff. The crowd was just going nuts, and Kentucky didn't handle it. Kentucky's been turnover prone so far this year. Um, you know, Leary's made – a lot of mistakes in the passing game. They've given up some big plays in the sack game. They fumbled it a few times. I, I, I'm going to get out of the score prediction game because I think it sets an expectation where we can be disappointed with winning. But I think Georgia's going to be able to win this game. I, I don't know. You know, the, the spread just continues to surprise me. It's 14 and a half. That seems like a lot. I, I don't think Kentucky's great, but I don't think Kentucky's bad. And, and and kind of to my point earlier about LSU, I don't think there is a fatal flaw for this Kentucky team. So I would imagine this will be a competitive game. I, I, it all comes down to Beck. If they let him throw, I think he's really, really good. He's not perfect, but, you know, let's not forget that we Stetson wasn't perfect either. <laughs> so I, I think Beck's got what it takes. I think if they really open the game up a little bit and let him be aggressive and throw the ball – I think we'll see the running game look a little bit better. I hope Georgia can come out, be effective early, and then use that running game in the second half and really lean on the other team. That's the one game mode we haven't seen out of Georgia so far this year, and I think that's what they're going to have to be able to do over the course of the end of this season where you're playing some good teams. you, you got to get off the better starts. So I do think Georgia's defense will be very effective at shutting down Kentucky. I, I mean – Last year in Lexington, it was cold, but the Georgia defense really handled, really handled everything very, very well that Kentucky had. Uh, Leary's solid, but I don't think he's anything special. I think Ray Davis's numbers are really propped up by just in a spectacular game against Florida last week. Georgia's going to win this game. They're going to move to 6-0, and and somehow, some way, probably a lot of Georgia fans will still be dissatisfied with this team, but... That's what I think is going to happen. I hope you've enjoyed the show. I hope you enjoy a great weekend. I hope the dogs can get a W on Saturday. I hope Atlanta United can get a W on Saturday. And boy, I hope the Braves can beat those Phillies. Have a lovely weekend. And as always, go dogs.